Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm so glad that you chose to tune in today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Today's topic is about revival. I am really excited about today's episode, but before we get there, before I introduce you to today's guest, be sure you stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. And I'm gonna give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. This particular episode, I'm gonna do a prayer over this topic. It is fiery and I really want you to sit under that prayer, so be sure to stick around for that part. Well, I actually met today's guest on Instagram. If you follow me over there at Rachel J. Gilbert, you might have seen the post that I made, I think it was last month sometime, about my experience at the Brownsville Revival when I was in the eighth grade. I was 13 years old when this happened. And our guest today, Jessie, saw my post. She commented and then her and I have been following each other ever since and I've been following what they're doing over at Saturate Global. So let me tell you a little bit about Jessie. Jessie Green is a revivalist, a full-time missionary, and the director of Saturate Global. She's passionate about reaching those that don't know Jesus and equipping the church to make disciples and preach the gospel. She believes that everyone is qualified to share the good news and teach others to follow Jesus. Jessie lit a fire in my belly to see revival spread like wildfire, which happens to be the name of her book. So let's welcome Jessie to the show as we discuss this topic of revival. Well, hello, Jessie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to join you today. Yeah, I want to, I'm going to share with the listeners how I met you. Well, quote unquote, met you. I don't know you in real life, but <laughs> before I do that, I do love to ask my guests, what's something, I feel like you have a lot of things you could tell us, but what is one thing that I wouldn't have read in your professional bio about you that's maybe random or a fun fact about you? Um, I was actually just talking today to someone that a weird fact that probably no one would know is that I don't. Like I, I kind of come off as like a high energy personality and like people kind of assume like what kind of music and stuff I listen to, but I actually am like quite melancholic when I'm alone and um, like to listen to music like Bonnie Vare and Mumford and Sons and <laughs> I'm like more of like a quiet soul when I'm alone. And so it's something that people probably wouldn't just know right off the bat from social media or any of our events that we do. Yeah, yeah, I can very much relate to that. Although I don't know that people think I'm outgoing, but I'm definitely when I'm alone, very quiet and to myself. So I totally get that. Okay, so now I want to tell everybody how I met you. It's been a think a month or so ago. I don't remember the timeline. I made a post on Instagram about the revival I grew up attending, uh, the Brownsville revival in Florida. And just I've just been in this super hungry place. Like I just have been reflecting on that time a lot and just hungry for it, you know? And so anyhow, for whatever reason, I really believe it was just the Holy Spirit led me to post about that on Instagram because it was not on my radar or anything. It just kind of <laughs> had come to me, you know? I was like, huh, I wonder if anybody else can like relate to this. And anyway, I made that post and you commented and you were like, uh, yeah, revival's happening all over the place right now. And I'm like, wait, what? And so then I just went on this whole... <laughs> 
just trail of looking at, you know, what you all, you and your husband and your ministry are getting to be a part of. And so I just immediately was like, okay, I got to get her on my podcast because not only that, not only did it light something up in me, but so many people either commented on my revival post or sent me messages saying, yes, we're hungry too. Like just so much unison, you know, and just kind of just wanting to talk and wanting to know more and And so I just wanted to bring you on to just talk about really this topic of revival. And I guess the best place to start is where did it all start for you in what you're doing now? Like, do you have a moment where it really just kind of started to unpack for you guys and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because now on social media, I feel like revival is becoming just such a mainstream topic within the church And yet, like five years ago, 10 years ago, I I really wasn't seeing a lot of people talking about revival. It wasn't really like there weren't really lots of songs about revival. And so it really does seem like there's a confirmation that this is something that the Lord is breathing on, not just our excitement or anticipation, but truly it is something that the Lord is doing I always get so excited when lots of Christians are getting the same revelations or desiring the same things. I'm like, okay, maybe that desire is from God. And so I know for me, um, I had been in ministry for the last 10 years and I would say that I kind of lean more as like an evangelist and really go after the lost. I'm really passionate about reaching those that don't know Jesus um, in and out of the church and it was winter 2017 over Christmas. I was just praying and like asking the Lord about the year. And he said to me, he said, Jesse, I'm calling you to be a revivalist. And I'll be totally honest with you. I was like, what is that? Like, I didn't even know what that was. And so I went on a journey of just studying revivalists and started to study the first and second great awakening people like Charles Finney and John Wesley, Catherine Coleman. And I really just started to get ignited and really started to see lots of visions about what was possible. And um, it's funny because I didn't know like how that would all pan out. I just knew that I could identify and I felt like what was burning in me was the same thing that burned in them. And so I was like, okay, there's definitely a synergy there, but like, what still does that mean? Um, And then to make a very long story short, summer 2019, the Lord said to me really clear, just during a regular quiet time, he said, Jesse, green light, the harvest begins summer 2020. Um, prepare the nets. And so I started to meet with pastors and share this vision of what I saw people being baptized in Orange County and all of this stuff. And through all of this planning, we thought we were going to do a big conference through trusting the Holy Spirit and laying down a million plans and keeping going. Um, we ended up leading what ended up being a beach revival in Orange County and the LA Times covered it, BBC News covered it. Um, it ended up becoming international news. And that's, I think, the first time where I was like, oh, okay, like maybe I am a revivalist. <laughs> like this is crazy. And so 
now I feel like I'm this like voice crying out in the wilderness. Like we are in revival. And I think it's in every single city if we'll partner with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. So 2020 was the first time you saw it come to fruition, right? And that's a crazy time. (laughs) The timing of that is crazy. I think everybody could say, wow, Holy Spirit, I see what you're doing. (laughs) And it's funny too, because you can read a lot of revival history and you don't really realize that there is a pattern to revival. And oftentimes it's when the church is in crisis. Mm. But when the Lord told me that that was going to begin in 2019 and we started gathering church leaders, like everything was going fine. And so I kept thinking, well, this is not going to be revival. It'll be like a great evangelism event, but it won't be revival because like historically we need a crisis to have revival and everything's kind of like going smooth. So, so when COVID hit, I was just, honestly, I kind of got excited. And when the church started getting shut down, I was like, wait a minute, this might not just be an evangelism event. Like we might be like entering into revival. Wow. Okay. I want you to touch on that revival follows a pattern. Can you share with us that pattern? Yeah, actually, I spent the last year working on a book called Wildfires that kind of like outlines a lot of the patterns of revival and just kind of our journey um, into that. And the reality is, is that it really isn't this like magical magic dust that God just like pours out. We actually have a role to play. So for example, there's certain indications in society that like create an environment for revival. So for example, like, and I just shared this on my YouTube this past week, but um, Charles Finney talks about how there's six signs that a revival is even needed in your society. So the reality is, We actually don't always need revival because what revival is, is it's an awakening of the saints. It's awakening of those that need to be revived. It's us coming back to our first love and not choosing the things of the world. So for example, one of the signs that you need revival is that there's jealousies, dissensions, evil rumors within the church. Mm. So if that's happening, that's an indication that your nation needs revival. And I'm like, wow, like, (laughs) look around social media. Like, obviously, this is happening. Another sign of revival is that the church has lost its love for one another. When we stop exemplifying love to each other, cross-denominational, we're in need of revival. And here's the reality is, A lot of times we'll see mass salvations happening and we think that that's revival, but that's actually a fruit of revival because what happens is we start sharing the gospel. We kind of awaken and stop being apathetic about the world around us because all of a sudden our love for Jesus is ignited. And then we start caring about the things that he cares about again. Mm. Oh my goodness. I love that. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned, I just want to back up a second because you mentioned that you were in ministry for 10 years. When when did you get saved? What's your story? So I actually grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. I grew up going to a vineyard church as a kid um, and actually was at the Toronto Revival um, when I was seven years old, which is just like a cool, weird thing. So 
it's just funny how God kind of brings things full circle. But I would say that I definitely didn't have a relationship with God. I was more of like a checkbox, like I'm a Christian, but wasn't following Jesus in any way, really pursuing things in the world, um, worked in the nightclub industry, was dating a multimillionaire, traveling around the world with Louis Vuitton luggage, like pursuing that stuff in New York City. And I had really bad depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, fear of man. And honestly, one night just cried out to God. I was 24 years old, um, 2009, cried out to God. And I just said, God, if you're real, you have to take this pain away. And God himself, the tangible presence of God just filled my room And all of a sudden I felt all of the pain just lift off of me for the first time. And I decided like, okay, so God's very real, way more real than I ever thought he was. And so if God is actually real, then that seems like the most important thing in the world. (laughs) And so I'm going to give my whole life to just discover the real Jesus. And so Um, I ended up becoming a missionary and traveling around the world as a missionary for a year and then ended up working for a church in New York City. That's where I met my husband. Um, And then we moved to California and started our ministry in California um, in 2016. Wow. Now we're in North Carolina. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's so cool. I have a similar story of growing up in the church, being in revival, and then, yeah, the the full circle thing. What do you think happens to those of us, because I that was something I actually heard on that Instagram message that I made or post that I made, multiple people saying, yeah, I remember growing up in revival. I was a kid of revival too. What do you think is deposited in us kids of revival? Just because it's kind of like you don't fully understand what's happening, yet you can tangibly <laughs> feel and see the presence of the Lord. What do you think is deposited in those seasons? Yeah, it's so funny because I actually, when we do our revival events now, I tell people all the time, like, bring the kids, bring your kids in, even if they're babies, bring them in. Um, because I think revival fire is deposited in that environment. And I think we have no clue as to the ripple effect. I even think right now, even the fact that you and I are talking and we are both children in revival. I think that God's actually establishing like a synergy among those children of revival for this next move of God. I keep seeing it happen over and over again. God keeps connecting me with people that were children in revival. And again, like I had no idea what was going on. Right. Like, I remember singing like you came from heaven to earth and and people like falling out on these metal folding chairs and just like watching. And I was like praying in tongues and just seeing what the Lord is doing. But like you have no paradigm for that. And so it's just kind of being deposited into you. But I think then when you as an adult decides, OK, I'm going all in into following Jesus, All of a sudden, then when revival starts to happen again, there's this like quickening, this like burning in you. It's like this seed that was deposited. And so I think even just right now, I feel like the Holy Spirit saying like for you that there's no coincidence that as he's starting to trickle out the very like beginning of revival, that all of a sudden there's a thing inside of you that you are like, okay, wait a minute. 
I remember that. And like you put up a post without even knowing anything we were doing. And it was like the Holy Spirit's birthing revival right now. And I think those seeds are starting to sprout in those kids of revival right at this moment. Yeah. My arm hairs are standing up right now because (laughs) it just gives me chills. I just, I'm just so ready to see in my own life. It is so easy to just get in the mundane, like this is what we're doing. Yes, I'm a believer. And back to the, like you said, checkbox Christianity, you know, going to church and posting really encouraging things on Instagram. And I'm not downplaying any of that because those things are powerful in themselves, right? But I don't ever want to get to a place where I'm just like, okay, I've had all I can of God. Like, I think I've, you know, I've experienced it all. I've learned it all. No, Uh, the complacent thing. I just really feel like the Lord's just been convicting me in a good way of, like you said, come back to me, like turn back to me. Um, Yeah, he's just been doing that in my heart. And so that's my prayer for today's like listeners I just want to encourage you that if you feel something stirring in your belly, that's the Holy Spirit saying, there's more, there's more freedom, there's more breakthrough, there's more just of his love and his mercy and his grace and that he wants to pour out on you so then we can turn and pour it out on other people, you know, and so that just, it's just so encouraging to me to see this. Today's episode is brought to you by JoyMail the monthly newsletter I release that's full of resources that deliver a little joy and practical action steps into your inbox and life. To sign up, simply head to rachelgilbert.com, click the Start Here tab, and sign up for the newsletter right there. Tell us a little bit about if that's them, you know, just like me, I'm being stirred up. I know some listeners are going to say, oh my goodness, <laughs> this might end up being one of their favorite episodes just because anytime the Holy <laughs> Spirit is the one who leads the way, it's like, hey, I'm talking to you. It really stirs people. And so if that's them and they're listening, what is the next thing you do? You know, when you feel that stirring going, okay, yeah. it's stirring. What do we do with the stirring? I don't want to just sit with it or maybe I should sit with it. I don't know. You know, what is the next step? <laughs> I love this question so much. So in my book, I actually wrote a whole chapter called Drown. And it's essentially like, it's that same thing. I'm addicted to that stirring. And I I think a lot of times we'll hear people say like, don't quench the Holy Spirit. But what I believe is that stirring, it's the Holy Spirit drawing us in, drawing us into more, drawing us to wake up in the morning and read the scripture, that invitation to go in deeper, right? And um, I'm going to share a very quick story, but I was in Byron Bay, Australia with my husband, Parker. We had woken up really early to go surfing that morning. It was like before the sunrise and it was so beautiful. Like everything was orange, like as the sun was just kind of peeking up and I looked out into the water and I just had one of those like stirring moments where I just like wanted everything that God had to offer And so I just prayed really simply. I just said, like, God, I just want everything. Like, I want all of you. Like, if there's anything that's blocking me, I just want all of you, whatever that is. And I really gently just heard the Holy Spirit say back to me. He said, Jesse, 
I'm not withholding from you. Like what I have available to you is just like the ocean in front of you. And so the question really is, is like, how deep do you want to go? And I just felt like the Lord said, like, as you step in, as you go deeper in, as you lay down your life, the thing is, as you go into deep water, the issue is, is you lose control in that deep water. Like you, all of a sudden you can't like touch the ground. You're like treading water and you eventually have to just allow the water to hold you up. And I think for a lot of people, that's the scary thing is we don't want to let go of control. We still want our lives to look like our way. And I think that as we continue to spend time in God's presence, as we begin to not quench the Holy Spirit, but allow ourselves to be drawn into him and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to just say yes again. I'm going to just say yes again. I'm going to say yes again, even if it's scary, even if it's risky, even if it costs you everything. I mean, this last December, we did an event and During my message, in the middle of the message, I felt that quickening again, and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me to give away my brand new Jeep Wrangler, and we had had one car as a family, and I finally had gotten a second car with three little kids. It was like all of this freedom now to have another car. I loved this Jeep. It was my dream car, and in the middle of the message, the Lord said, I want you to give away your Jeep to this person. And I started weeping on the stage and people thought it was because of the message I was preaching. It had nothing to do with that. I was weeping because in the middle of my message, the Lord's asking me to give something away in that moment. And I had to decide like, okay, how deep will I go? Is like, is my Jeep the thing that stops me from going deeper in? Like, what is it for you? So if you're listening right now, like, what is it for you that would stop you from going all in into following Jesus? Oh, okay. (laughs) You're preaching today. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, what immediately came to me was the phrase, my dignity. I think I can get really caught up in what do other people think of me? Like if I were to really just go all in and really just be like, yes, this is, we're going all in. It's exciting. And then it's also, am I going to lose my friends? Like, are people going to start unfollowing me? I don't, you know, I don't know all these things. So what do you say to that piece when we're caught up in ourselves? I mean, obviously that's clearly a a self-driven, the Lord needs to shake off some things in our heart on that. But what else would you say to that? Because I think a lot of people, I do want to, well, I'm going to let you answer that because then I think there's one other misbelief that I hear some people think about revival. So what would be your answer to that first? Yeah, I actually post about that a lot on my Instagram because that's my same journey. I'm in the same boat as you. Like people see like us do bold things or me preach and do these crazy things. And they don't realize that like I'm having to risk also, like I'm having to trust God also. I'm having to sacrifice also. It's not just like all of a sudden you're like this, you're not a human anymore. (laughs) And, And for me, my biggest struggle always was fear of man, people pleasing, fear of rejection. And I think I just have gotten to a point and I'm, I still wrestle with this every day, but I just am getting to a point where like, I just hate that thing that's blocking me 
so much that now I feel like I'm like, okay, let me pendulum swing now. And now I try to like force it upon myself. So like, I love doing street evangelism because first of all, it's amazing to reach the lost and share the gospel, which I think we should do as all Christians. But I'll be honest with you, nothing murders that fear of man and that spirit of rejection thing more than street evangelism. Because it's like you're putting yourself out there and chances are you will be rejected. And each time that happens, like when the girls I disciple and I go out there and every time I feel part of my flesh, like get that like, oh, I'm like, okay, thank you, God, because there's more work in there. And scripture says you can't serve God and man. They're in opposition. And so if I want to be used by God, if I want to go fully into my calling, if you want to do the things that God fully has for you, then some of that stuff needs to die. And some of it for me, it's like a brutal death. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about the people listening who, yeah, by the way, I have to resonate the people pleasing thing that has been, holy cow, the biggest thing (laughs) I've had to overcome having any kind of a public facing platform Woo, it will reveal so much that's in your heart that you thought just oh, like totally. you said, just when I thought I was over it, then something else <laughs> comes up and I'm like, ah, one right. Instagram comment <laughs> ripping apart your life. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. My husband's always he's a he is very much more like um He's a defender of me, if you will, which I'm thankful for. And so when I get negative feedback or get, you know, comments or get DMs, he's always like Right. Like he'll, he'll go to battle for me, but he, but he is, he's always like, why do you let the, that one negative be bigger than all the good that is happening? You know, but it's just, right. it's just our human, human nature, I think in, in many ways, but yeah, that's definitely a thing for me. So what would you say to the person listening who goes, okay, this is all great. Yes. I want to do that. But then I don't know about you. I, I've just heard the, these conversations. And one thing I'm so thankful about, I grew up in a charismatic church, grew up in revival. And so I grew up with a love for, and I feel like even an understanding of the Holy Spirit and his giftings. And so I am not um, one of the people who get scared by the Holy Spirit. Like, I feel like some people are like scared, like Holy Spirit seems a little <laughs> yeah. creepy and I'm not sure what to think of the Holy Spirit. And and then now you want to talk about revival. This just all seems like a little creepy. And it's like they have the fight. So they have two things happening within them. The fire's burning, right? Because they're going, I know there's more, but then things that they've heard or seen that maybe weren't quite correct about the Holy Spirit are then battling too. And so it's like their mind and that fire in their belly are at a, a battling, you know, their mind's trying to make sense of the Holy Spirit and their gut is saying, lean into the Holy Spirit. So what would you say about that? You know, if somebody's listening going, okay, I really want to get on board with this, but can you help me debunk some of the things that people might think to be true about revival and the Holy Spirit? Totally. Well, I would say first and foremost, with any charismatic movement or anything that seems out of the box, I mean, my husband is like fully in that camp. Like he leans like way more reformed. Like I would say 
Um, a lot of this is fairly new to him. He doesn't really like like Christian conferences even. So all the time he's like, oh gosh, Jesse, like, why do we have to go to this? Like, it's horrible. And so we talk about this stuff all the time. I think first and foremost, though, is like being in the word of God and not just like the saying when everyone's like, oh, you should read the word of God, but actually reading it, looking at the nature of Jesus, looking at why he tells us we need the Holy Spirit, why Jesus himself said that it was better for him to leave. Like sometimes I'm like, I just would have preferred Jesus in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Like. I sometimes just want to like go to lunch and have Jesus in the flesh, like sitting there. And yet Jesus is saying, no, it's better for me to go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. So for me, that's where I started to really wrestle with even my theology in regards to charismatic beliefs. And I probably like, I'm not as charismatic as even some movements. Cause I'm like, okay, we can rein it in a little bit. Like that's gotten a little nuts. But I think that the reality is, is that if Jesus himself in scripture is saying that we need the Holy Spirit and that it's better for Jesus in the flesh to go, then I think right off the bat, that requires some consideration from us. It requires some kind of response. So if you think like, I'm good with God, the father, I'm down with Jesus. Like, I love that. But Holy Spirit, no, thank you then I'm just saying like, then you're rejecting what Christ was offering you. And so I think that just requires some attention. And maybe that's where you can just ask the Lord, like, okay, continue to teach me through scripture, you know? And then I would say too, like, I, I'm a big heart person. And so I always just look at like the evidence of someone's life and I look at their heart. And so there are some, some movements, charismatic, reform, non-denominational, all over the board, where I think we really do need to use discernment, where we need to say like, oh, that does seem kind of questionable. Like that does seem kind of weird. And not just because it looks weird. I mean, if you come to some of our saturated events, like there are things that are happening that look weird, like a demon coming out of someone's body body looks weird to the average person however it is scriptural and the reality is when you look at the fruit when you look at the evidence when you see that person getting delivered and taking a breath and having life for the first time all of a sudden you're like okay looks weird but the evidence is life. The evidence is the kingdom. The evidence looks like the heart of Jesus. And so I think with any conference we go to, to any podcast we listen to, any message we listen to on YouTube, I think we need to look at like, what does that person's life look like? What is the results of their ministry? Um, what is it like when people are going and getting hands laid on them? Like, are they getting more damage or are they receiving like the kingdom and life in exchange for that? And I, that's for me and my tester that I kind of use. Yeah, I love that. I always look for fruit in people's lives. You know, you can yeah. tell a lot by the the things that are being produced in their life, which I will say is a little bit tough when you only see them online or on social media, because of course <laughs> right. I could present myself however I want. And I could tell you there's all kinds of fruit in my life when it really, right. you got behind closed doors. That's what I've told my husband. Anytime I see somebody that I start to look up to, my first question, I'm always like, I wonder what their home life is like. Like, I'm like, I want to know <laughs> what, is, what are their personal relationships like? That's always my 
go to. Like, I just want to know them in real life, which obviously you can't always do that. But in a revival and in a move of God, you absolutely can go in with just an open heart and ask the Lord just to show you anything that might seem off or, you know, is this him or is this uh, something that man has made in, in a different way. So I, I totally. love how practical that is. Okay, let's speak a little bit more practically as we're about to wrap up about what you and your husband are doing now. So you two travel now and do revivals, right? Yes, correct. So we were in Orange County um, and we were doing beach revivals. We did six weeks of that and then took a pause, then went to Santa Cruz, then took another pause and then did a tent revival there. But just this last June, we moved into a trailer and we went to a few cities across the country and did um, saturated events across the country. And now we just moved to North Carolina and we're kind of in like a recalibration season um, to prepare for what we'll be doing in 2022. Okay. So I feel like there's probably a couple different types of people listening of one type that goes, oh my goodness, I'd love to be joining in revival practically like that, like actually getting to go and travel and do that. And then there's another type, like I'll even just say my husband and I, we own a brick and mortar business. So we don't have that luxury currently to pick up. And now if the Lord told us to sell our business, great, you know, we would do that. But we're, (laughs) you know, we're planted in in a space right now. So how can we practically then, those of us who maybe are business owners or have different roles that we play, how can we support what you all are doing without maybe being necessarily the ones who are going out and doing the the actual hands and feet work. Absolutely. Yeah. I really do feel like this revival requires all hands on deck and there really is like a synergy that's happening, I think across the whole church. And so it's really cool to see how we can all partner together first and foremost, I would say like, and this is not like a shameless plug, but I just believe in it. But my book, Wildfires, has like some practical, like really easy ways to start igniting revival wherever you are. So not even like coming to our events, but how do you just start reaching the people in your own city, like in your own family, in your own workplace? How do you start to like contend for your city to start to be in revival? Even just some of the stories that have come in over the last few months of people reading it and starting to ignite things. It just gives me a lot of hope about what the Lord is doing. And then also our website is um, saturateglobal.com. And you can sign up on there for any of the updates. And if we're doing an event that's near you, we'd love for anyone to join on the team, help us baptize people. I mean, in one of our Kentucky events, a bunch of the local people and the churches just came and were apart and we were baptizing people for three hours. And so we need people just to like help with some of the like hard work. And then also, honestly, like we have a bunch of very wealthy, like fortune 500 business owners that can't just pick up everything and go to Kentucky or own a brick and mortar Um, A lot of them donate to Saturate on a monthly basis and they actually help fund us because we have to, when we do these events, we have to rent the land. We have to rent everything because it's not in a church. Um, And we do that specifically so that we can reach all sorts of people. Like we have drug addicts there, homeless people, wealthy, all, all over the place. But being outside has really allowed us to do that. 
Um, and so all of our donors really like make that even possible. And I would say, um, for us, we even invest into ministries like all across the globe that are just in the harvest. And so I think for us, even, um, that's just been a discipline we've had over the last eight years. And I think that that's even why we're seeing so much of the fruit now is because we've kind of always been invested into harvest, if that makes sense. So that's like one of the most practical ways. And then just, yeah, like praying for us is like the, probably a really simple thing, just praying for us for discernment and wisdom um, and protection over our kids. Yeah. And I love what you mentioned, too, that that we can start to see revival just right where we are. I don't need to go find one of your events. I don't need to, you know, I mean, of course, if it comes near me, great, and I'd be part of it. But how can I just right here where I'm at in my own community, go ahead and get started. And so your book, where can people get their hands on that book? Um, So they can buy it on jessiegreen.com or um, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. Um, The book's called Wildfires and Yeah. Like if you just Google it, it's like everywhere. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. And then can they connect with you? Are you on social media or anywhere like that? Yeah. So, um, I'm on Instagram, which is how we got connected, which is amazing. My Instagram is at Jesse J S S I dot green. And then also on YouTube, um, I'm there a lot as well. And I, I like, I really like Instagram because I feel like you can really connect on an everyday basis. And so I really try to like stay connected with people a lot on there. Yeah, perfect. And all of those links will be in today's show notes. Well, Jesse, thank you for taking time to come on. I'm really excited to release this episode to the listeners. Listeners, please get a copy of her book. Um, I just know it's going to bless you in so many ways and probably answer a lot of the questions that her and I did not get to today in our short amount of time. (laughs) So thank you, Jesse. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was so much fun. And I'm like all fired up now. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps that you can implement into your life right now. Today's topic was about revival. Now, no matter where you stand on this subject matter, I think we all can agree that we're hungry for more of Jesus in our world. So instead of giving you steps like I normally do in today's episode, I actually just want to use this space right now. I'm feeling led in my spirit to just pray to usher in the spirit of revival right where we are. So if you can, please just open your hands in agreement. If you're driving or doing things, no worries, but just be in agreement with me as we pray over the spirit of revival. Well, Father, first of all, we thank you so much that you are here and that where two or more gathered, you are here with us, and we're just so grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross, that you sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper and to equip us and to empower us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you still speak today and that you are the best helper we could ever have asked for. And I just want to thank you also for people like Jesse who are leading the way, who are ushering in this movement of revival I speak a life over everything that they're doing at Saturate Global. I pray that you continue to enlarge their territory and their reach. And Lord, I just also ask for every single person sitting under the sound of my voice, myself included, that you would let us be part of revival taking off in our world. 
Let it start in our own home, in our own hearts, in our own business, in our place of work, at church, in our neighborhoods, wherever you would lead us, Lord. Would the spirit of revival just continue to spread like wildfire? And may we be a part of it in any way that you would love for us to partner with you. I pray that more and more people are just hungry for you, for your word, to know Jesus, to know the truth. And it's the truth that will set us free. So Jesus, we just ask that you come and you have your way. You do your thing. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my friends, that concludes our show for today. Hey, I pray that this episode brought you one step closer to living free, pursuing those God-given dreams, and being a light wherever God has planted you. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.